Welcome to Connecting with Coincidence with psychiatrist Bernard David Beitman, MD. Dr. Beitman is the founder of the Coincidence Project. The project encourages people like you to tell each other coincidence stories. To learn more about Dr. Beitman's work, put Connecting with Coincidence in your web browser. You'll find his book, his Psychology Today blog, and the interviews from this podcast. And now your host, Bernard Beitman, MD. Welcome to Connecting with Coincidence. I am your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. Please subscribe and like us on the buttons below. In the summer of 1976, a new friend and I, excuse me, 1967, a new friend and I were in Kathmandu, Nepal, Kathmandu, Nepal, right above India. We biked, we biked into the local Buddhist temple on a hill overlooking the valley. We entered the first floor prayer room and were greeted by exquisite incense. As we marveled at the serenity and feel of this place, a man in saffron robes came down to us and said, the Lama will see you now. Wow, they knew we were coming. We are about to receive great wisdom. They are telepathic here. My heart was beating really fast and we were ushered into a second floor room strewn with meditation rugs upon which were sitting several other men in saffron robes. One man sat on a higher perch. Yes, he was the Lama. We stood in front of him looking up. The silence lasted a long time, it seemed a beautiful, rich, full silence. Then the Lama raised his hand, looked directly at me and said, do you want to buy a rug? <laughs> I was stunned. Does this sound familiar to you? <laughs> it might because there are stacks of mountain guru cartoons. The seeker, after a monumental climb, has reached the pinnacle and enters the presence of the guru who sits calmly and meditatively. The seeker believes he is about to receive wisdom, as I did. The holy man then utters something surprisingly mundane like, the secret of life is to invest in low-cost mutual funds. Or, if I knew the meaning of life, do you think I'd be sitting here? I had coincidentally entered into a comic book. Our guest today has invited me to ask her what the purpose of life is. Maybe today I'll hear the answer I thought I'd hear in that Buddhist temple in 1967 in Kathmandu, Nepal. <laughs> Oh, wow, Bernard, <laughs> such a great story. I love it. <laughs> I hate to disappoint you because I can't tell you the purpose of life, well, but yes. we can definitely have a conversation. You, you, asked, you asked me that you said I could ask you, so I thought I would lead into that. So let me introduce you first. Krista Mariah, <laughs> Krista Mariah connects leaders to collaborate co-create and co-elevate as we all pioneer the virtual frontier, really virtual pioneering. 
Over the past 15 years, she has launched three companies, planned and facilitated virtual events, and developed incredible relationships with some of the most influential leaders in technology and cybersecurity. She is co-creating Treatum, a treehouse retreat network in the metaverse and physical world while evolving her executive leadership development program, Transcend 2022. Krista holds a master's degree from the University of Florida and teaches courses in entrepreneurship and creativity. You can learn more about her by visiting krista.one. Yeah, <laughs> I, hope, I hope you might like that story because you did say, okay, ask me about the purpose of life. But before I do that, please tell us a coincidence story. <laughs> Well, I will share my coincidence story about the purpose of life since you asked me that question first, um, which the headline is $6,000 of advice from Tony Robbins Life and Wealth Mastery that I received um, at no monetary cost. Uh, but I did uh, really... Uh, put a lot of time and energy into learning this lesson, which they say, pay attention, right? And they say, pay attention because attention is a currency and it's becoming more and more important, more important than money. That's why advertisers pay money to get your attention. So it was 2015. I had recently been laid off from a job that I thought was my dream job. I thought was going to change the world. Um, come to find out it wasn't. I worked for six weeks. I got laid off. I got eight weeks of severance pay, which was incredible. So I took that time to write down on a piece of paper the only goal. I had been so goal-oriented and so structured and so focused on climbing the corporate ladder and making money and supporting my family. Uh, but this year, I wrote down one goal, and it was find my purpose in life. And that one goal and that one intention led to an incredible sea of synchronicities, coincidences that happen every single day. Uh, the one being, the, the one I remember uh, the most was one morning I woke up, my eyes opened. First thing I thought was, there's a Tony Robbins event. It's sometime soon. And I had been on this journey of self-discovery and I had read a Tony Robbins book. I'd never been to an event, but through a connection I met on LinkedIn, I met a guy who Tony had invested in his business and we had a conversation and I asked him like, do you know anything about this life and wealth mastery event? It's going on in Marco Island. I lived not far away in Fort Myers. Um, so we had this conversation several months earlier and then I forgot about it. And then this one morning I wake up, the first thought that comes to my head is, I bet that Tony Robbins event's coming up soon. I should follow up with Jim. And then I go in, I do my, my business. I go on, I'm, I'm doing sales calls at the time, uh, working for the CISO Coalition, which is part of Evanta, which was acquired by Gartner. And that's a whole different story we're not going to go into now. But um, I was on a sales call. I look down and I get a text. And who's it from? It's from Jim. And he texts me, he says, do you still want to go to that Tony Robbins event? And I was like, should sure, sure I do? Uh, so I respond right away. I get off the sales call. I call Jim. He's like, yeah, I got an extra ticket. 
this is a $6,000 event. It's two events in one. And so I get to go and I'm so fascinated because this is like the top level of the events. You go through, you know, the unleash the power within, and then there's some other ones, but like, this is the one that people who are a part of their platinum program, they paid at that point, like $75,000 a year to be a part of this program. Um, and they go to this event. So my biggest question to everyone was, why do you come? Like, why do you pay this money? What do you get out of this event? And the most common answer that I received, so the pattern that was there was gratitude. It was, Tony reminds me to be grateful. And I mean, I'm talking to a doctor and she was like, I wanted to have a child. And I, you know, my husband and I weren't on the same page and I couldn't, you know, get, you know, I couldn't have a kid. And then I just, I surrendered and I was just so grateful for all of the things that I had because of these events, because of this, you know, to Tony Robbins. And then we ended up getting pregnant and, you know, having the kids. So it was like, wow, that's so profound. It's so simple. And it's story after story of like the power of gratitude. So as I was, you know, on this purpose, you know, path, this journey, I thought I was going to teach, you know, executives how to live on purpose by creating a framework, which I, I did. I developed um, what is now called the purpose prism and the purpose path to really break down, like, how do you go about a personal development journey? How do you plan like your real life, like you plan your business? Uh, but what I learned was along the way that it's not so much about planning your life, like you plan your business. In your business, you have to do some certain planning and organizational and structural things because you're taking a whole company along with you and they've gotta be on the same page and you've gotta be able to communicate. But when you're planning your life, it's more about setting intentions and letting go and letting the synchronicities of life, the magic of the universe, as I like to call it, the one mind that we all uh, live from and feed into as energetic beings, it's allowing these things to come up because I couldn't plan the journey that I have now. There's no way I could have structured it. It's just full of surprises every single day. So that wasn't the story that I told you that we were going to tell earlier, but you inspired me with the questions. So well, that's a, that's a, that, that's much more in line. Uh, one of the other one, maybe we'll get to, but it's it's really about you and your father, uh, right place, right time, or what I call human GPS of like showing up where he is, or he's showing up where you are, and that's an important part of what I use as a pattern for coincidences is this human GPS thing. I, I learned it when I was eight or nine, when my dog got lost and I got lost and we found each other. Uh, and that getting lost and being in uncertainty uh, helps bring intention to reality uh, if you just let it go, which is, I learned that pretty early. Um, and then I began to wonder about a human capacity to be able to do that because I believe that we can track people we care about uh, just like we can do rate it's a radar kind of thing and we have a sense about where people are and that we can find our way to them without knowing really how we got there but we have an internal compass that helps us get there and without going through the details because it kind of summarizes 
tried to do it right there with your father who he hadn't seen and he was in Mexico and you were in California and there, Petaluma. I, I like Petaluma because I always wondered what a Luma was that I could pet. <laughs> I, I just, it just seemed to me like there had to be a, a Luma to pet, uh, but it's just a name that came from someplace else. It's hippie kind of thinking, but it was all, I was in San Francisco in the late 60s, so I got a chance nice. to, to think like that. But it, it, that you did that, and we don't have to go through the details of it, but estranged, and there you both were. And there are a lot of stories like that that I think are important to, to talk about. But there's more about what you're doing that I think we need to get to. Um, you're living a nomadic life. And the advantage of being in a nomadic life is you don't know what's going to happen. Um, it, you're living in uncertainty. When I was a, being a part-time hippie on Haight Street, it was wonderful because it was, there was this flow that I didn't know what it was called, but I just like, it was riding waves is what I felt it was going to be. I didn't know, I didn't hear about flow until later. And it was like, okay, well, what's going to happen next? And, and the stuff kept happening. I mean, that was a rich environment in the late sixties on Haight Street to be able to do that, but it happens out there and you're doing that. So you, you do a nomadic life. And what one of the things that I am most fascinated about that you're doing is this virtual reality thing that we call the metaverse or that who calls it that? Yeah, Mark Zuckerberg, but there are other metaverses other than his um, that are out there, but he's captured the name of it. So let's start with telling people, please explain what the metaverse is and what the non-fungible tokens are. NFTs is a term you will show up, throw about easily, but some people may not know what they are, but they're a central thing to the economy of, the, of, the, of this new reality. So please talk to us about that, but I want to get to some other questions with, after sure. you do that. Yeah, so simply the metaverse, and of course, it was uh, the metaverse or metaverses or verses. There's all sorts of terms before Mark, Mark Zuckerberg uh, was, that was able a good one. to that was a good coin one. Yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, so I mean, really, this idea has been in human consciousness, uh, I think, forever, as we're all in my in my view of the world which we all live in our own worlds as well. Uh, we're eternal beings and we're here on this planet to create this game, this uh, simulation of really seeing ourselves. So uh, I subscribe to the universal laws. Uh, the first one being we are all one and we're all connected. And so the metaverse is really our ability to bring other people into our worlds by having a visual place that's there constantly that people can actually um, virtually walk into. So right now we're doing it through the headsets, whether it's the HoloLens or the Quest too, which I have. There's also a company called Magic Leap that is really innovating on uh, more mixed reality. Um, but some of these terms, so metaverse is basically by the mixed, idea by of mixed this reality, virtual world. By mixed reality, what do you mean? 
Yes. So there's, uh, there's terms. Um, so the metaverse is this virtual world for, for lack of better terms. It is a world that you can, um, go into and experience with other people, they may be experiencing the same thing as you, or they may be experiencing different things depending on the environment you build. But it's like the next level of the internet. They call it web three, or they call it the spatial web. So um, the mixed reality is, it's also termed XR. So the X meaning it could be VR, it could be AR, which is augmented reality. It's just a term to cover all of those things. It's also called mixed reality. So mixed reality, XR, same thing. First, and it's and, and uh, just so again, some people may not even know what uh, augmented reality is. Uh, mm -hmm. So in order for them to have some idea about uh, what uh, augmented reality might look like, uh, I be, for those who don't really know it. Um, I suggest to you, I'll show you, I'll give you a small demonstration of, of augmented reality. <laughs> I, Perfect. I really like these things. <laughs> I really like it. There's a whole selection of things like this. I'll get rid of it in a bit, but uh, the, the, this, is, this is augmented reality. So that you can do this also in uh, a virtual reality or uh, in the in a metaverse. You can add stuff to the uh, avatar, avatars in the in that virtual reality and put stuff on them, like Nike yeah. spe special Nike shoes that you can buy somehow and all that stuff. Okay, so that's a yep. so we mixed reality. Okay. So for those listening and not seeing Bernard, I suggest that you go onto YouTube and actually see his face now because he's using an example of mixed reality with these little glasses that he's added through Zoom. And that's the beauty is you can create on top of this physical reality that we've all kind of co-created together with the hard stuff, you know, the, the, uh, this what we call reality, right? the physical world. And I think we need to change our terminology as well, because they say in real life, um, like the social media people say in real life, when you meet in the physical world, but we can have such strong connections over, uh, you know, we met you and I met on clubhouse, right? It's connecting by voice. Um, that is a, a, you know, a digital connection. So we've got the physical world that is like if you and I were together um, going out to lunch, maybe I put on my AR glasses like Google Glass. That was uh, one of the early examples of it. And I may be able to look at a building and see which stores are in that building. And I may be able to zoom even further and see how much the clothes cost in that building in those stores that are in that building. And that would be a, an example of augmented reality. Um, it's adding on to this physical reality that we uh, live in. So uh, my friend, Dan Mates, who literally is just texting me right now, he's the CEO of Versus.io. And they're creating the protocol. So for the web three, which is the spatial web, which will enable these augmented reality glasses and this mix between uh, overlaying information onto our physical world. 
Wow, the idea that I can put on glasses and go to a different building and see what's going on in there. That means I can go by somebody's house and peer in to see what they're doing? Potentially you could, yeah. So that could be one of the risks. Um, you could also go through, like I was in Art Basel, and there's an augmented reality app that we went into. So you can actually see through your phone artwork that is there virtually in that space, but it's not there physically. So only the people who have this you know, AR app are seeing this whole other world laid on top of the physical world. So there is this, you know, it's building now, it's here now, but it's really, really early stages. And that's why I say we're, we are pioneers of hey, the virtual frontier. I think pioneers is really cool. I'm getting, I'm getting a clearer idea about what you mean by that. The, 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 ver the metaverse is its own universe. Uh, it's by itself that you enter into. But now you're augmenting my idea of what I'll call real reality. But so it's like I have um, a telescope that can peer into other places and hear what's going on in other places. But in the real, let me use the word real world. I, I, and I think we're going to physical. get the physical world. Okay, the physical world. Yes, the physical. I, I can explore the real physical, the physical world with these augmented glasses and hearing i suppose that mm -hmm. uh, so i can i can go someplace okay that's that's expanding my current concept of uh, augmented reality beyond these glasses so that, that's okay and then the the metaverse you enter into it it's not like we're doing now with zoom we're connecting in the physical world through a telephone kind of thing but it's now very much more advanced you enter into a separate space that is programmed by by Mark Zuckerberg, we like to say, by the by Meta, by some people are programming what goes on in there. It's 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 a more fixed universe than the one we have out here. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I would tweak it just with the fact that it's not Mark Zuckerberg or Meta that's creating the metaverse. The metaverse has been developing and created before he made that announcement that Facebook was going into it. You have like Second Life, you've got Decentraland, you've got CryptoVoxels, you've got Sandbox, you've got all of these different, um, let's call them countries in this new universe <laughs> metaverse, right? Good. Good. Facebook's meta is like a town square. So it's its own world within the metaverse. It's not the metaverse. He's just been really smart in coining this term of metaverse and taking over meta so that he has associated his brand with something that's already in existence. Oh, that is so clever. And especially calling the new company meta and get away from Facebook. So it's a marketing thing that I think we're going to have to keep being able to say that it's a town square is a really nice way of describing it. And it is a square. And the point I'm trying to make from what I know about the metaverse is that it's already been programmed the metaverse it's being created yeah it's being created it, through programming correct so that when i walk into a, a metaverse it's limited by the programming currently available in it correct okay and that and that gets me to the uh, a question that uh 
I got to do something about these glasses. Um, <laughs> I like them, but I guess I got to get rid of them here for a minute. What, what, what the question that it brings up to me is in a metaverse, what is the place of synchronicity and flow and letting go and surrender? Oh, that's a big question. So I believe the whole thing is a space that you can get into synchronicity and flow and coincidence. Uh, for example, when you enter different worlds. So uh, for me personally, I have the Oculus Quest 2. And that is a, via a virtual reality headset that you put onto your face. It's a little bit heavy. For me, it's a little bit uncomfortable. So I don't spend a ton of time in there. But when I go in there, I can meet up with friends and we can go have a shared experience, um, whether it's like doing a, a, a tour of the Great Wall of China, or maybe it's even um, going into a, a shared workspace where we can write on virtual uh, whiteboards or we can have a conference in, with our avatars. We can give a virtual hug. I did that for the first time the other day. It was really fun. Can you feel, um, can you feel the hug? Yeah, so you can feel it right now with the Oculus. You have hand controllers that have haptics that will vibrate when you touch someone else. So you do get a little bit of a vibration and a sensation. They're also working on like haptic suits. Like imagine a wetsuit that you put on that has the ability to simulate sensation so that you could actually have a virtual hug. You can have a virtual relationship. Um, you can you know, do all sorts of things in, in whatever world you like. So my world has lots of like rainbows and butterflies and unicorns and all of these just beautiful things that, and trees, of course, I'm building Treatum and we can talk about how we'll incorporate uh, mixed reality within the retreat properties so that you can go to Treatum, but you can literally go anywhere in the universe or metaverse that you want to while you're there. So there's so much opportunity to create a world that you want to live in, have that vision become reality, and then invite other people into it. There's also opportunity to meet completely random people. So um, I went into an app and it's like the universe and they have these different uh, planets and there's just a little avatar guy in that particular one, your robots. And then you have a little image on your face. You're like this little robot with no hands and no legs. And then you just put whatever image you want in your face. So like there's a kid, he's maybe 16 or maybe 12. I don't know. He may be in India. He may be in China. He may be in the US. I don't know. He comes up and he says, hello, how are you? So you have these chance random encounters like you do in the physical world in the metaverse as well. So that opens up that flow of synchronicity and coincidence. To me, it's all programmed in the universe to the universe is evolving we're always flowing we're growing we're contracting we're growing we're contracting and that creates evolution so this energy you attract what you put out that's the law of resonance so i may attract um, other you know high energy and you know enthusiastic people um, that come into my world that I never would have met otherwise had I not been in that place or that time. So that's one example of how you could, you know, find coincidence, synchronicity, and flow within the metaverse. 
what what uh, what about um, energy between people that is not necessarily haptic, but is so real that you can feel the flow of energy between you and somebody else? Uh, what happens to that? Uh, and also, what happens to uh, like talking with trees, which I have some trees that I have a relationship with for the last nine or 10 years. And the, it's getting closer and closer, uh, our feeling with each other. And, and they provide sometimes a portal for me to go to some other realm. When, when we get into a dance, we form a rhombus uh, that uh, I become a fourth point in, and that becomes uh, a portal for me to rise up through them and become um, some go someplace else while I'm still grounded here. I go call it going up into the psychosphere, where our, our mental atmosphere. What happens to experiences like that in uh, both the energy and with the tree communication in uh, the simulation? That's a great question. And I love the way you describe that. And Aren't psychosphere, you? I hadn't really heard. Um, I've heard the field or the one mind, or there's lots of different terms. Um, there's a book called Codename God. And it's by a physicist who invented the laser technology for LASIK. And he tells, shares his story of coming up from the lowest caste or second to lowest caste in India to, you know, multimillionaire Beverly Hills mansion and this whole story. Uh, so I, I love the way that you describe that. Um, my, my perspective is it's a yes and experience. So I'm a big proponent of more of the mixed reality, the augmented reality or the spatial web, which um, I was telling you about my friend Dan at Versus, they've coined this, um, the protocol, which right now we're on web two, which is HTTP. And then we'll be moving to web three, which is HSTP. And that's the spatial web. And that is where the information from the internet is overlaid onto our physical reality. And you have a little bit of both. That being said, we also, I'm a Reiki practitioner. I'm Reiki one and two um, certified. I'm going to go back and do my master's at some point. But uh, what I've learned through that is we can actually transmit our energy virtually um, through a call like this, through a conversation on the phone. Um, we can do it through the metaverse as well. It's that presence and intention uh, that, you know, having the intention on helping someone heal and they're, they're actually in Reiki, you know, you as a Reiki practitioner are not doing the healing. You're reminding people that they can heal themselves. And you're doing that virtually by sharing your energy, giving them strength to use their own energy then to heal themselves. So I, it I, is possible. That I, that I understand, the, the distance healing. I mean, we, I can feel some of your energy in this conversation. I mean, as Zoom carries a lot more stuff. Uh, I interviewed a Jungian about how emotion interrupts Zoom calls sometimes. Uh, no, totally. It, it, it's just, uh, it's there. It's, it, I'm quite sensitive to emo interpersonal energy as a therapist and as someone who loves to dance. And this is a constrained version of the feeling that I would have if you and I were in the same place. I, I, just, I just know it. 
uh, I don't get the full feel of you. And for the Zoom, it's not going to do it. For a virtual reality to be able to do that takes are going to take a lot of computing power to be able to to commodify this kind of or or or, or whatever the right word is to make it so uh, we can feel the energy with each other. What do you think of that? Uh, absolutely. And I mean, to take it a step further. So one of the projects I'm most excited about is with my partner in Vancouver, uh, Jeevan. He's a futurist. Um, he's also a systemic constellations facilitator. And he has created this uh, playground of the mind in virtual reality. Uh, where he also was a concept artist, uh, a matte painter. So he was the one like painting the scenes in movies, a lot of movies that you probably watched and know. Uh, so he's created this uh, zooming into the head and then looking at your, your brain as an arena for the archetypes. So we all kind of embody these core archetypes. Uh, we've boiled this one down. There's, there's, thousands of archetypes as there are thousands of gods. There's all of these stories of these pieces of us, right? But we're looking at the king, warrior, magician, lover, queen, mother, wise woman, and female lovers. So we're looking at the masculine and the feminine archetypes. Literally in this mind, you're looking at a king and a queen and a warrior and a mother and a wise woman and magician and lovers. And then you are embodying that energy and asking the question, what's missing in our world today to bring harmony and trust between human beings from the perspectives of each of these archetypes? So the, uh, you can ask that question. We can have this conversation on Zoom without the visual, but the visual is going to add a whole nother dimension of being in the middle of that arena and looking at the king that represents the element of earth and that stability and structure and feeling into if I were king, what would I think was missing? And so we're going to have eight different people embody these eight different archetypes. And then he's going to be showing you like a cameraman in the virtual reality um, arena that he's built. And we're going to have fun with it. Um, it's going to be very spontaneous, kind of like a game show. I always wanted to be a game show host when I was a kid or Miss America or an actress. Any of those would have been good, but I was too afraid to go on any audition. So I didn't make any of those happen yet, but we're going to do this on December 12th. And it's going to be another experiment as we pioneer this virtual frontier. So I don't know what's going to happen, but I do believe our energy can interact with technology and we have the ability to um, impact and uh, sometimes interfere with technology. And sometimes it's our energy. Sometimes it's other people's energy. Sometimes it's just energy that the universe is like making all of these things work together in the way that it does. So. It, it, it becomes a very important question about what's this energy? Uh, what's mine? We could say there is a sense of mine. Let's like have a head. So I start with someplace. Uh, what's yours? What's ours? Which is really the most fun to me is to is to share energy with somebody uh, in a group at dance and, and when when there's a group 
of uh, coincidence ambassadors or or last last time in the coincidence cafe the energy is really good on that one and we kind of were sharing stuff together to be in an energy pool with a hey, good vibrations baby good vibe i mean that's part of the entertainment and information thing because you learn by doing by being in a situation like that i i can begin to see your imagining how this might be something that could be possible but I, as you talk about your artist friend and uh, archetypes, I'm asking you to now think about what I am thinking about the um, the psychosphere. Uh, you, you hadn't heard that term before, but you understand it. it. It's our mental atmosphere that we are all thinking thoughts and energy. The, the psychosphere has energy and information in it, and they're usually connected energy has information information has energy so energy information and we put that energy information out into the psychosphere mm -hmm. and we also absorb that energy information from it the same way yeah. we, we breathe in oxygen and breathe in carbon and and breathe out carbon dioxide same idea it's kind of like downloading and uploading right it's, it's downloading information it's uploading it's also called the akashic records for those that are spiritual of nature it's absolutely those are what i'm trying to do and i you understand what i'm saying there is i'm trying to develop a cartography of the psychosphere wow that's why I'm talking about your guy with the map. I want to see a cartel. I want to see how the stuff works connecting with each other because you know this. I'm certain from what you say is that we can connect with people at a distance. Yes. That we can feel and think people at a distance. We can pick up ideas somehow, but how do we get from our little minds here up into the psychosphere where we can pull an idea down? How do we map that very dynamic uh, flow of things? It's not static, but there are some principles by which it operates. And when I hear the, the imagination that you and this guy are dealing with, I hear some people who could help develop this cartography of the psychosphere using coincidences among other things as a way of beginning to map how the thing works yeah, absolutely and this is what we're doing like we're co-creating it to attract people like you who have more of the pieces of the puzzle so to me this is a game it's a simulation and it's a puzzle and, you know, you can't be good at everything because if you were, then you wouldn't need to find other people to fill in that little piece of your puzzle. So it is, it's absolutely about uh, making it more visual and visible so that you can see the unseen and then really setting that intention to go further and explore because I believe we're just remembering, we're waking up, we're remembering that we have these abilities and now it's the fun of putting the, the puzzle together and it, it can be a game. Have you seen the movie Bliss yet? Check that out with Selma Hayek um, and Owen Wilson. It's an incredible uh, idea of what this could be uh, that we're living in this simulation. It's, I believe on Amazon or Prime, if I'm not mistaken, it's called Bliss. Okay, I got it written down. Um it's this 
this image of the future and the cartography idea that you are talk mentioning that we need other people to be able to fill in the spaces so that we can see that the puzzle means that we are all part of the puzzle we have a piece of the puzzle and to be able to help people become aware of who they are remember or discover or, or invent sometimes i think is there as well what you are it doesn't matter how you get there there's you and this is your piece to the puzzle and then you add that it's a game i love that you say it's a game krista because i i think it's a game too and it's a lot of fun to play you can get hurt in this game uh, you can get diseases i had prostate cancer it was part of the whole thing I had to yeah. learn from it. It was a great educational experience in many ways. Uh, I needed to get knocked off from my little thing, what I was doing. And it, it, it woke me up the last five years. I've had to go through some stuff, but it's like, oh, okay. So I needed it. We get various ways that we get knocked. People come around, we get hurt in relationships because we don't know how we're, what we're doing with it. But the idea is to become who you are so that, and this is what you're adding so clearly, you can put your piece in the puzzle into the whole picture and see the whole thing together and just have a good time dancing around in the thing. But the fun really is making the puzzle come together and seeing it develop because it does go on for a kind of a forever kind of thing. I mean, it's a, it gets a little more subtle as we go out. So when I organize the coincidence ambassadors and we have a meeting to talk about the vision and the mission statement, we, we are getting down to like, who does what? who's good at what in this thing and who wants to play i mean this part of the game is who wants to play with us and who wants to do your own thing with another bunch of people that may fit together some other time and maybe with us but not in us but you got your own thing to do but okay that's okay we just gotta do it we gotta keep making it happen and figuring it out and going in the flow and making the connections and trying to organize ourselves and going through the ups and downs that get happen when people get together we have conflict mm -hmm. yeah kind of a regular so the, yeah and in any good storyline in, in any good video game you have to have conflict otherwise <laughs> you're just speeding through right and you're not enjoying the fun of the game and the journey. So you think about the most complicated puzzle. Why do we love puzzles and Rubik's cubes? It's because they're fractals of this whole storyline that we've all co-created already that we're in. Oh, do we want to talk about fractals? <laughs> we can go there, but you, you did mention the energy fields and like what's you know, where does yours end and where does mine begin and how do we um, share that as well? And uh, one thing in, uh, I've learned from G, uh, Jeevan is in systemic constellations, when you're doing this work, you're actually tapping into the field and you're using that energy. Um, and there's a saying that goes, what's yours is yours, what's mine is mine. So we do intentionally, you know, we intentionally came to this planet to embody this physical being, this avatar, 
to see ourselves, to see this one, if we think about it as a mirror that got cracked into all of these different pieces and this mirror is the puzzle. So we're all little tiny slivers of the mirror reflecting each other, but we've done this for a purpose. And that purpose is to see each other and to see all of these different perspectives that we can't see when we're all one big field of energy. So it's fun to combine energies. I, I went to my first ecstatic dance experience in California on my travels and it was a blast. And it is like just going with the flow and, and combining energies. Your energetic field goes beyond your body. And when you cultivate that energy and when you're intentional about what you're putting out, I like to operate on the frequency of joy and love and laughter and fun. So I wake up every morning and I just laugh. I make myself laugh. It doesn't matter at what your body doesn't know the difference, but that sets me in that intention and in that resonance to be able to attract other people that are also flowing at that level, which is where I believe I belong in the puzzle, but we have the light and the dark and we've got the shadows. So, you know, you have to also acknowledge that and as you know, in your work, it's helping people kind of make peace with that and move beyond traumas that were those conflicts in their lives. So I've developed this framework, which is four phases. It's called, it's discover. So you discover your perspective, your power, and the pain that is your conflict in life. And the greater the pain, the greater the purpose. So after you discover that, you define the people you want to attract into your world, the potential that you can reach together by solving problems to reach your purpose. And that's the first half of the equation I've found. The second half is making it happen. So you've got doing, which is your planning and your practicing and your promoting. And then you've got developing. So we're all growing in this upward spiral that continues on forever. And developing is first pausing to appreciate and understand and reflect on life and then praising yourself, your higher power, everybody in your life that's come together to co-create like self-made man, self-made millionaire is like one of the worst, like nails on a chalkboard terms to me, because there's no way you can be self-made. We all feed into each other and that's how we get to progress. And progress is that last step. So there's 12 P's, four D's, and that's the system I've come up with. Well, thanks. That's really clear. That's really clear. And you got... I don't know how, but I was just about to ask you about the self-made millionaires in a way. Um, there's, there, there is, I call it the collective human organism, that there were one being as people, as a human being. And there's yeah. a huge shadow uh, self in the collective human organism of which these guys who think they did it all by themselves are a great example of it. Uh, and it, it's that, uh, it, it's a, it tends to be a male thing, but not only and that I did it all myself, and I'm so wonderful that I did it. It's That has been part of the problem and the destruction of the planet that is happening now with the, with the sixth major extinction facing us. When I, my underlying purpose, besides the entertainment, inter, inf, information, part of that learning and entertainment thing, is that I want to develop a psychotherapy for the collective human organism a psychotherapy for the collective human organism, because this organism, like many of my patients, 
is, are just, is destroying our habitat and is hurting itself. And people who come to see therapists are doing the same thing and don't understand how come and need to find a way out of it. So what do you think of the idea of a psychotherapy for the collective human organism? Oh, absolutely. Some call it spirituality. Uh, so I think it is, it's needed to be clear and for people to be open to it. And I love your approach of this having fun because uh, if you've read The Happiness Advantage by Sean Acor, he's Harvard, you know, positive psychologist. Um, he's also written uh, Beyond Happiness, but they've have studies to show that happy workers are more productive workers. Happy people are more uh, productive people. They're more conscientious. Yeah. They're going to care about each other. So starting with laughter and fun is an amazing way to then get them to open up to talk about traumas and to bring light into those dark spaces. They say the, uh, the solution to pollution is dilution. Have you heard that? So, you know, you've, you have pollution. Um, so when you dilute, so say you have poison in your system, you dilute that system. So that's the solution. So we all have this poisonous darkness, this shadow, if you will. But what I think is if we get away from this, like good or bad, good and evil, right and wrong, it's more of understanding what is and where those things come from. And that this universe is made up of light and dark this one collective human consciousness has both light and dark and they both have purposes and they both are so we need to acknowledge what is and then how do we deal with this most constructively for the betterment of the planet to live harmoniously so every single human being has the opportunity for a full spectrum life to have this adventure to be able to play like i don't work anymore i play it's fun what i do the knowing what it is takes being able to look at what might be that is yeah there's an old saying that's how many psychiatrists does it take to change a light bulb the answer, answer is one, but the light bulb has to want to change. <laughs> the big problem now is denial by people, many people around the world, including many leaders, of the threat to the planet and how they're contributing to it. Now, we can yeah. call that evil or not or bad or good, but it is. It's mm -hmm. what's happening. So how do you propose getting those who are denying that they're destroying the planet to recognize I, their contributions. Honestly, if we all had them do psychedelics uh, in one session and everybody at one time came together in this other plane, I think that would do it. I think this, the answer is so simple and it doesn't have to be psychedelics. It's that that was the pathway for me that opened me up to this ego death to strip away the things that I was doing to harm myself. 
which we all do. I've been through many different forms of therapy, EMDR, cognitive behavioral, uh, hypnotherapy. I've tried everything. And I've realized I had one experience with the Bufo Toad medicine that opened me up to completely losing all fear of death to stopping harmful things I was doing to myself, substances I was using in order just to like get through a day. Um, it's opened me up to this pure feeling of love, this universal consciousness, and allowed me to download so much more from the field than I ever had before. And that's kind of the cheat code. So if you think about this game of life as a video game, I see psychedelics as a cheat code. They can help you see outside of your limited conditioning. Uh, but if we had enough people, some people get to it through years of meditations. You've got the monks, you've got Sufis, you've got you know all of these, the Kabbalah. You have a lot of different tools that exist. But to your point, people have to want to change unless we like tie them all down and like, yeah, shove a psychedelic experience that would be really traumatic it wouldn't work right that, that's what i'm looking at is the is you wanted to change you knew there was something going on with you and all that time of therapy probably i won't i don't know for sure helped you lose your ego uh, it's all a process that you kind of developed you were Absolutely. working at it krista you were working at it. there's some people I'm a self-made millionaire. I got no problem. I'm a beautiful guy. There's so much of that out there, but I'll leave that. That's another time we might be able to discuss that. I want to be able to have you tell us about the tree verse that you're doing and also what you're doing with, with children and the, the, the metaverse of, for children. There's some really great ideas in there. Yeah. So this, this last year has been a journey, a transition, and really for me, uh, spiritual awakening. So I've spent a lot of time envisioning these ideas. So the first one is Treatum. And this came to me actually when I was pregnant with my daughter uh, 13, 14 years ago. Uh, and I had these visions of tree houses and living in this beautiful, just greenery around me, a waterfall, you know, water, um, and then that kind of evolved to like, well, what if all my friends were there and what if I, we could have all of these people there? And then I started going to yoga retreats and it was, well, what if we could bring everybody from the company together in this atmosphere outside of work that was integrated with nature where people could connect to each other, connect to nature, um, you know, hug the trees, get that, uh, that natural a symbiosis from the trees and from each other, as well as connect to their vision and do their visioning. So then I started to learn about, you know, virtual reality. I've read, you know, tons of books. Um, Peter Diamandis and Stephen Kotler were huge inspirations in their abundance um, is the book abundance bold. And then the future is faster than you think they're a trilogy of really incredible books that can help open minds to what's possible with using technology and nature, spirituality, and combining this to create these solutions. 
So the uh, treatum is what it came from. My daughters and I were riding our bikes and we were talking about you know, being in the trees and designing this kind of playground. And I, I think Lily came up with the, the, the word, but it's freedom in the trees. And then we were talking about well, what if we had tree school there? And what if we had a veterinarian? And we had all these different things that like went along with trees. So that kind of started it. We started co-creating it together. And then I brought it to Clubhouse uh, to attract energetically other people who can fit some of the pieces of the puzzle. And in my book club, we have a, a book flow um, that we've got all of these really big thinkers. We have uh, virtual reality, 3D designers and developers. We've got architects. We've got um, you know, attorneys. We've got music experts. We, we have people who are just incredible that are coming together to learn and grow. So my vision is to co-create in the metaverse a not a competition. Like you have design competitions for architects all the time but I wanna make it a coopetition. So it is really about cooperating together to create the most innovative, regenerative treehouse designs. In the metaverse, we don't have any of the physical restrictions, but we can think about what physical limitations will we have when we actually take them out of the metaverse and put them into the, the physical world. But in the coopetition, we can monetize it by creating these tree houses as NFTs, which we mentioned in the beginning, a non-fungible token. All that really is, is the digital verification that you own this one piece of whatever it is. It may be artwork. It may be there are like generative, meaning each of the, there may be 10,000 different versions, but each one is slightly different. And it may be an image, it may come with audio, it may come with a physical product. I met Art Basel this week. So you've got a lot of artists who have all this beautiful artwork, um, but they could use an NFT to actually sell the digital rights to that artwork. And so all it is, is they call it a smart contract that actually uh, shows that you own it. And then the blockchain is the system that brings transparency so you can see who owns it definitively. So it's really just taking what we've already created in the physical world, digitizing it, and then making it available um, as a digital asset. So they're talking about, it's interesting, um, I don't know if you've heard of Banksy, which is a, a really famous graffiti artist, and they burned one of the, the works of art. So like the physical work got burned and destroyed, but the digital um, still remains as an NFT and it sold for 60 some million dollars. So there is value, it's a new way to store value where you know, all of our monetary systems are not based on you know, the gold or the physical assets they were anymore. We've just printed all this imaginary money. Uh, you know, and so what this is doing is basically creating a whole new form of currency, form of um, store of value where you put your money in and it can grow in value. So imagine taking this tree house, which they've had, um, they've had some virtual metaverse 
designed homes, there's one that sold for 500,000. Um, and, and when I say 500,000, that's US dollars uh, as a conversion of what it sold for in Bitcoin or Ethereum. So Bitcoin and Ethereum have a value in US dollars. So we're converting that, right? So you could sell this treehouse that you, co you know, in the co-opetition, kind of like a hackathon, you have uh, architect paired with 3D design developers, you know, paired with interior designers, and then like visionaries that can understand materials and how do we like build these regenerative um, pieces like Lego blocks that we could form in all sorts of different shapes and have, you know, circles or octagons or triangles or whatever you want. And then you could take that if you sold it as an NFT, you would say, we're going to sell, you know, 10 of these or a hundred of these. And then they could take it from the Treatum metaverse, which will be our neighborhood or community. And they could take their copy of it to their own world and put it in their backyard. So that can move on the blockchain through the use of an NFT. How do NFTs help with the spiritual development of humanity? Ooh. That's a great question. So uh, what I see NFTs doing is it's empowering more people to be creators. So in spiritual like reality, in my reality, what I see is that we're all creators. We are all innovators. If you're here and listening to this podcast, you're a human being, you're here because you are innovating the evolution of this planet. Just by being here, you're changing the world. Every single person changes the world. Are you changing the world to your highest potential and for a better and more harmonious and you know more fun way of life, or are you changing it, uh, you know, for a, a stagnant or a, a dark? You know, you, you can look at either side of the train tracks. You can look over into the beauty of you know the beach and the the sky and the sunset or you can look into the gutter and you can choose which side of the train you want to look at but the spiritual growth will be enabled by the non-fungible token because kids can create nfts anybody can create an nft and show their expression their piece of the puzzle out there which someone else could come and buy that creates currency for them to then live their life and to be that, you know, we're, we're called human beings for a reason. It's to be the expression of ourselves and the highest and fullest expression that we can be. And sometimes, you know, work responsibilities, um, you know, paying bills, getting out of debt, all of these things can weigh on our being to where we're not really able to express the full you know, spectrum of who we are. Yeah, so you don't have to take regular jobs that are menial and don't pay you enough. Uh, you live by, by your own creativity to be able to uh, manage. Uh, Absolutely. Well, that's the one final thing I want to be able to ask you about is, uh, is you're talking about how to help children uh, manage the Pro, the relationship problems that they inevitably have growing up in grade school and middle school and college too uh, the kind of typical like bullying things or like uh, guys still putting down 
girls. I mean, it's still happening, no matter how strong it is. There's still a remarkable current of anti-female thing in the society. Uh, it It's lit, lightening up a little bit, but I mean, when you look down a little bit, I'm seeing um, video Lego videos of Batman with my grandson, and the women are still underneath the guys. It's still the same thing that I grew up with in the comic books. It's the same pattern, just as one example of it. So how tell us about how the metaverse uh, can help children um, manage the difficulties of growing up relationship wise. Yeah, and thank you for asking that question. Uh, I believe, you know, we've lived for all of the history that we know, we call it history, right? And if you are you know, really awakened and paying attention, you're starting to see more of this feminine energy come in. And you've got the divine feminine, which is this flowy you know, beauty and um, all of this, the unstructure. And then you've got the, you know, you've got toxic feminine as well, which is like that you know, man-hating you know, feminist kind of stereotype, right? And then you have the same thing on the masculine side. All of us embody both masculine and feminine energy. Uh, but when you get hypercharged into that masculine, that you know, destructive, um, toxic masculine is what you're referring to. So I see us going into this period. I call it the age of abundance. And this virtual frontier is like pushing into the age of abundance. And it is, the, the, the feminine is coming into play. Men are, are recognizing their feminine side. Women are stepping up as leaders and we're moving into, it may go into herstory for a while. It may to rebalance and get to an equilibrium, but we've got to get to our story. And then it is everyone. And it doesn't matter what gender you are. You could be a he, she, they, whatever. It is about how do you understand and become conscious of both your masculine and feminine? And how do you understand and be conscious of what you're missing in order to not need to go to those behaviors? There's a reason that bullying happens it's because they've lost all sense of control because they've been bullied because there was something that happened in their life that gave them that sense of lack and when you're coming from a sense of lack then you're going to do destructive and negative things when you're coming from a sense of abundance and anything is possible you're going to want to play you're going to want to help each other you're going to want to serve i love serving people and it's because i know there's abundance there. And when I give, I receive. And so once you understand these universal spiritual laws and you put them into practice, which is what I want to do with the co-creation I was telling you about, which is a simulation, an edutainment simulation. So it's combining education with um, entertainment and it's a video game. Um, and if you look at the history of video games, you see we, we start with war games. And that's kind of how we started, you know, in life. It was survival. It was scarcity. It was war. It was battle. Um, but as we evolved, as we go through the Renaissance and all of this incredible art comes out and you have the printing press and people become educated. And then you go into technology and you have the Internet and all of these things. If you've read the Celestine Prophecy, which I imagine 
being in coincidences you have, it's all about synchronicity. And at the end of it, it talks about this age where technology takes over those kind of demeaning, the, the menial, the dirty jobs that nobody wants to do. And then we're freed up to live in our full expression. And that's where we are right now. This is the most exciting time to be alive as human beings because we get to co-create this world that we're going to live in. And if we're conscious about it and we're coming together in love and at this vibration of harmony and happiness and excitement and energy, we can create a world that we want to live in. And that's what co-creation is about. It's creating your hero's journey, uh, creating your virtual digital avatar and learning emotional intelligence like self-awareness and self-management and social awareness and relationship management through a series of simulations going through some of these really common situations that bring trauma to people. And how do you get through that in ways where you can mess up with a virtual classroom and a virtual avatar, an AI teacher that you, you know, oh, what happens if I throw my book at the teacher? Well, you know what? I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to get sent to the principal's office. I'm not going to be able to play the game anymore. I'm going to have repercussions from that. So I'm going to go back and do this simulation again. What happens when I smile at the teacher and I do my work? Oh, I'm going to get rewarded. This is amazing. This is fun. I feel good. I feel included. I'm part of the family. Like these are things that we can simulate out. And then kids have this amazing creativity that they could co-create their own games they could have their own simulations. It may be like going into My Little Ponies and like creating a sem, you know, a, a seminar to teach uh, kids how to play chess. I don't know what it is, what they'll come up with, but when you give them the tools and that basic level of understanding of who they are and guided lessons on emotional intelligence, energetic um, experience and law, universal law and creativity, then you're building kids that are resilient, who are creative, and who can imagine things that you know we can't even imagine. So that's my vision uh, for what we can do in the metaverse. Well, and my daughter, um, just really quickly, my daughter, when she was 12, she wanted this book series, and she's been a prolific reader. Uh, she actually looked me dead in the eye when she was five and told me that she was smarter than me. God made her smarter than me. And I absolutely believed her. Um, so she, when she was 12, I, I bribed her with buying her this book series. I said, can you help write this story of Isabella creation? So we had co-created this character one day. We were out at the pool and just playing around. And like, what if there was a daughter of Mother Earth and Father Time? And her name was Isabella. And so she took that kind of idea and she wrote this short story that tells the story of Isabella creation and Mother Earth and Father Time and creating her kind of out of sync, you know, rebelling kind of against the, the way things should be. And she comes to Earth to teach kids, you know, these lessons in creativity and emotional intelligence and energy and spirituality. And that opens up this whole world of creation for the kids where they can create their own avatars and their own hero's journeys. So she's written the story. Um, I've read and performed it in a couple of different venues. And I'm looking to co-create that as a positive you know, simulation edutainment video game, which also will be a whole curriculum in and of itself. One of the 
things that you've just hit upon is my belief in confirming it that the the kids uh, have a lot of stuff and if we can tap into it or they can express it to us they've got to because survival is key for them because of the planetary destruction tendency that we all have right now that we have with us so I, I, it's inspiring to hear of your daughter's um, telling you she's smarter because she's got to be because uh, it's her life and her planet that she's facing and she's got to like get you to help her and her cohorts do what they need to do in order to be able to get this thing so it gets to be more fun and more entertaining rather than uh, devastation around here so that's a very inspiring story and I'm glad we got we got to that uh, as we're gone, we, we've gone for a little longer than usual, but that is a really, really important part of, of what your message is. And I'm, my message is getting the kids to tell us what we need to know <laughs> and co-creating with them by helping them do. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing you're doing with your daughter. I, I, I want to you. hear, more. you're welcome. I want to hear more stories like that. So we, we've come to the end of... Uh, of this podcast. And Krista, thank you very much for joining me today. Oh, it's my pleasure, Bernard. I'm just so grateful for the opportunity to share my stories and to hear yours as well. I loved your opening story and I look forward to participating in the Coincidence Project. I believe the next meeting, we're gonna um, put a spin of comedy on it. So I'll be happy to co-host that and co-elevate with you. That's what we're doing. It's lifting each other up and promoting each other. And I think that's part of what we need to do as we pioneer the virtual frontier. Agreed. This psychosphere is a mental atmosphere, like a hologram of cosmic consciousness.